Hi there. Before the recording begins, I wanted you to know that there were some minor technical difficulties at the beginning of this debate. Until around the six minute mark, the audio quality is rather lackluster. I was able to make a few improvements, but ultimately there was only so much I could do. On the bright side, after about six minutes, the audio returns to the usual quality for the remaining hour and a half. I hope you enjoy this week's debate, and thanks for listening. session of the Literary and Scientific Society took place in the Senate room on the 4th of February and was attended by 41 members. President Senate began proceedings by informing the House that we are fast approaching the Queen's Annual Trust IV. We thanks for our wonderful external convener, Ben Murphy, for all the love of the woman. Yeah, he's yeah. Awesome. Sure. <laughs> for all the important that he's done during our first IV in over 40 years. There's a lot of new faces in the room, and for those of you that don't know, we had a period in our society where, around 40 years ago or so, there was an incident whereby someone came to speak, clothes were removed, things were destroyed, so for us, around 40 years or so, we weren't really a thing, and we're just coming back into it. But yeah, we like to hear that, back to full stuff, sort of. Hello. Yes. <laughs> Our school's competition is also fast approaching on the 24th of February, and we're looking for members to help our judge with some of the debates. If you'd like any more information, you can contact our fantastic research officer, Mr. Lee Barrett. We're also looking for applications for council positions next year, the 168th session of the Letter Ethics. If you'd be interested in throwing your hat into the next year, you can speak to myself or President Senate. Thanks. Please, just quiet, please. <laughs> Continue, <laughs> Without further ado, President Senate announced the motion for the evening this House will withdraw benefits from parents who refuse to vaccinate their children. Welcome to the proposition was made speaker, Ms. Evie Watts. We were open by saying that, in agreeing to speak that night, like so many women in the past, she had admittedly succumbed to Craig Miller's irresistible charm. <laughs> Her words, not mine. And the house spontaneously vomited. You can't claim the vaccinations are the medical equivalent of a modern miracle, yet nobody seems to appreciate this fact. Ms. asserted unquestionably that it protects the population, using the example of the eradication of smallpox in the past. The speaker then went on a tirade against so-called anti-vaxxers by reminding the house that the originator of the idea, that MMR jabs can cause autism, was lampooned and isolated by his peers before he was ultimately struck off. <clears throat> she concluded by stating that cutting benefits was the right way to go, as parents have a right to protect their children, and that refusing vaccinations was a form of child cruelty. 
Finally, to say that this method was being introduced in Australia, where time will show that it is the complete right course of action. Owing to the opposition was Mr. Johnny Finlay, who opened by stating that three fundamental truths about the rights of the individual, these being primarily that they exist, that rights are not necessarily in harmony, and finally, that we must decide which rights are prioritized within our society. This includes the parents' right to sovereignty over their children. He raised the issue of the slippery slope of denying benefits, that this may well lead to individuals being punished for their autonomous choices. Mr. Finley concluded by stating that sacrifices must be made and that human ingenuity outweighs forced medical treatment. Continuing with the proposition was main speaker Arj Bora, who challenged the opposition's views on the rights of the individual, stating that every child in this country has a right to quality and longevity of life. Mr. Bora put it simply, stating that if parents are given this incentive to vaccinate their children, it will reduce health inequality. He stated that the motion was apt, given that lower socioeconomic groups are statistically culpable when it comes to leaving children, leaving children unvaccinated. He concluded by saying that this wasn't about forcing anyone into anything, it was about justice and fighting inequality. The second speaker for the opposition was Mr. Uh, for the, for the opposition was Mr. Sean Ferrer, who opened with a joke about the ban of vaccines, which frankly doesn't bear repeating. <laughs> he claimed that the motion was classist and that people who don't vaccinate will be isolated within society which would only lead to their opposition to vaccination being solidified. He asked the House to consider what was worse, an unvaccinated child or a hungry unvaccinated child. He included by stating that it would further demonise state benefits and the motion itself was self-defeating. Including the proposition was Dr Craig Miller, who opened by stating that this wasn't a political issue of left versus right, but that it was an issue of idealism versus pragmatism. He informed the House that the World Health Organization lists the top two things which we, need, which we desperately need to reduce health inequality. Number two was sanitation, and number one was vaccinations. Mr. Miller asked the House to think how seriously we take proper sanitation and how a dangerous situation can become when it is neglected, so why don't we do the same towards vaccinations? He used the example of Jehovah's Witnesses being forced by hospitals to allow their children to receive blood transfusions as an example of where a similar policy was already in place. He concluded by stating that true justice for a child should outweigh any misplaced call for freedom. Concluding the opposition so the debate was Ms Emma Chadwick. She criticised the proposition's example of the Australian system of vaccinations as it has only just been introduced and could well be a complete failure. She went on to state that there is a real probability of real harm being done here if parents who don't vaccinate are further pushed to the fringe of society where their beliefs will be entrenched and then cemented. She concluded by saying that if the proposition had their way, the human rights of parents would be removed and that more education rather than more punishment is what's needed. Questions from the floor were heard from Mr Finbar Rogers, Mr Jeremy Mueller, Jamie Hanna, Mo Musa, Neville Cox, Jill McManus, Matt Wilkinson, Ryan Neal and Owen Mulholland. A vote on the personal opinion of the House with regards to whether or not parents who don't vaccinate their children should lose benefits was taken, which read 20 ayes, 5 nays and 7 abstentions. And finally, a casting vote based on speaker's performance was taken, which read 19 ayes, 8 nays and 3 abstentions. May I take the minutes as read? Aye. You might wonder why there's pumice and celery at the back. Uh, it's a better question. So, Jem is a vegan. I'm assuming that there are other vegans amongst us um, that don't eat birthday cake. So, 
please keep it on. Thank you. Um, thank you. So uh, yeah, so this, the celery hummus and carrots are for vegans. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, free fruit and So anyway, um, it is the winner of its 166th birthday today. And it's also in brackets my sister's birthday as well, so she's here. No excuse not to um, fill them in. Oh, okay. Uh, so the first suggestion is speakers should dress properly and wear their gowns in the proper fashion. <laughs> I think I'm doing all right. <laughs> and suggestion number two. Oh, that's that's about the Halloween today. I don't know. Suggestion number two. The Godkin debate? Yeah. <laughs> Godkin debate was last semester. Uh, Dufferin debate is this semester so speaker of the year. First. Can I still can I still win? <laughs> uh, no, you can't still win the Godkin debate. I believe that was no. <laughs> um, and the last one is instead of sweets, tea, coffee and biscuits. Cider, wine, soft drinks, water, Pringles. It's <laughs> far away. Um, okay, so as I mentioned before for last week, um, Letter of the is 27th, 28th of February. If you would like to sign up, and even if you are, if you have graduated, um, you're still an affiliate member of the Letter so we will be giving you free admission to the Letter of the which is over a weekend, and there's, I think, like 30 teams or something. Ben, Ben is more fun. Yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah, so there's, 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 yeah. so there's a few teams. Um, so we do still need our volunteers for that, yes. crash spaces for that, and uh, just turn up if you're interested. And there's a social on Saturday night as well. So I'm come on. Night if, you want. <laughs> if you want to go to Kremlin, I believe it's Kremlin. Kremlin's the option. So what, what was it they said? The, the communist themed gay bars. Yes. Is what it was. Yes. May I ask, Mr. Murphy, uh, for all of us that want to offer crash for debaters? What level of comfort do they require for sleeping arrangements? Slightly above the torture chambers. If you have a reasonably flat floor, that's the prerequisite. May I also ask Mr. Murphy, how many young debaters did you ask me to fill into my living room earlier today? I I said ten. And I you said twelve. May or may not have said stack them like sardines. Okay, so. Yeah, no level of comfort required. Um, if you can offer crash to anybody, literally they will take bathrooms, um, they'll, they'll, they'll share beds. Um, yeah, no, within reason. If you can, if you can possibly offer anybody crash, it saves them from getting a hostel. Please keep it down. <laughs> Um, secondly, um, is our skills competitions on 24th February. We do still need judges for that, and um, if you can spare a few hours during the day to help out, that would be great. Um, they, they are great debaters, and they'll be um, applying for university as well. So come along, you know, get them try to come along, come to Queen, see Letter Effect, and see what Letter Effect debate is about. Um, thirdly, we are we've a debate next week. We haven't filled up with speakers yet, so it's about um, this house would would open trans only prisons. 
So if anybody's interested in that, please see one of the, I think I'm arranging that, and Lily, but Lily's not here. So any member of council, um, if you would like to speak on that motion. And we are also having our AGM for the replace, not replacement, for our council for next year. I'm not getting replaced. Um, for our council for next year, so if you would like to run for any position, president, secretary, treasurer, internal convener, external convener, outreach officer, um, tech guy, no, which we will... No, we don't run for tech guy. <laughs> We'll discuss that in the next motion. So if you would like, if you would like to run for council, please, please put your name forward. And if you'd like to know more about it, please just speak to anybody um, on council. They will tell you. They should be able to know what their job position is. And I hate doing that. I really do. I feel like a, I feel like a teacher. Um, yeah. So if you would like to run for council, fifteenth of fifteenth of March is our AGM, and we won't be having a debate that week. So that'll be like our big event this week. And again, there will be alcohol and probably no birthday cake or new salaries. So yeah, come for the alcohol and soft drinks. Um, and we'll now move on to the tech guy amendment. Um, you, you may have noticed this guy with the computer here every week. Um, he. Uh, if you don't know already, our debates are live streamed and they're also on podcasts as well. So if you use, you use iTunes or you don't, you can go and um, look up which specific debate you're in. If you want to hear anything, if you weren't in it, you want to hear the motion if you missed it. Um, or if you're not here one week, you can listen to the back. And I think Calvin has Calvin has cool thing where you can like, he spliced the specific speaker. So if you only want to listen to yourself, you can only listen to your, your thing in that debate. And if you're one of those people that just believes what you believe in, then you can do that. So, um, we are putting forward a constitutional amendment, uh, which I believe Calvin will speak about. Should I come on? Yeah. Yes. Uh, first of all, uh, it's, and this is not me correcting you, I've called it tech guy over and over again. Tech officer, just <laughs> This The reason why I bring that up is because the reason why I'm making this is because literally no one wants to take over from me. I don't want to stay here forever. Uh, I mean, I really do want to stay here forever, but uh, I can't. Uh, so yes, so I uh, put, uh, should I explain how this works briefly, I put yeah. this amendment to the council and then the council said that was okay so now it goes to the house. Basically I'll read it out briefly um, and then you vote on whether to pass it or not. Uh, if you have any questions you can ask whenever I'm done and if you oppose it, you know, vote against it if I've gotten something I think terribly wrong in works. Then, so. Right, so. Amendment. A uh, couple of minor amendments. I have added um, section two, part six, the council added technology officer uh, to the section seven elections. The members of the general council of the society, with the exception of the technology officer, shall be elected by ballot by the ordinary members of the society, blah, 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 blah. Basically, technology officer will not be elected. It will be appointed because uh, I at least believe that you need to, you know, whoever's doing it needs to be able to do it. I can't just speak very well and be convincing enough not so. That's why I think it should be a point. If anybody objects, then you can make your point afterwards. Uh, amendment to the order of the uh, elections, just because it was, uh, outreach was never added. The last time it was amended, so I stuck that in there. Uh, the technology officer shall be appointed by the council. The appointee must be approved by the outgoing technology officer and at least two thirds of the remaining council members. And the technology officer must be appointed no later than the next council meeting following the annual general meeting. Um, can I just <coughs> you, is anybody actually going to vote against this or because there's a fair bit to read out and I'm guessing okay I'm guessing most people don't want to hear me read this for the next five minutes so Question. Uh, yeah, I have questions on that. In terms of, um, I agree with it being appointed by council because obviously elections take a long time. Mm -hmm. um, 
but can people put themselves forward to kind of yes. so yes. it would work like that? Okay. Ideally what would happen would be whoever's interested would tell me or whoever you know takes over for me that they're interested and then they would uh, follow me around at the beginning of the bit to see what I do uh, and then at the end I would say okay sorry you too but this guy is awesome and he's getting appointed you two go run for something um, so basically technology officers shall have safekeeping for the recording device and any other technology he shall be or she shall be responsible for the maintenance of websites and non-social media accounts and then they're specified uh, they should be responsible for ensuring that the recordings are edited and released to the public in a timely manner and they'll be responsible for live streaming if they want. Live streaming is a bit of a pain in the backside. Uh, I almost literally want to kill myself right now. It's so bad. It's such a pain. Thank you, Rob. Hi, bros. Um, so yeah, this, that is not required by the Constitution. It's an optional thing. So yes, I think that's pretty much everything. So I've been doing this for Seven just years. over two years now. Uh, and it was done by Javier before that, as far as I'm aware. Uh, yeah, by another guy. It was done by Queen's Radio for two years, uh, and then I convinced the council to move it in-house so that the litter has complete control over what happens. Uh, and I convinced them to get this recorder, you know, so they actually own the recorder. Uh, so yeah, so I think it's important that this is an actual position because uh, I honestly, not meaning to like make myself sound awesome, but I don't think anybody's going to volunteer. Just you know, going to go, yeah, sure, I'll do this for no reason once I leave. So I think it's important that there's an actual constitutionally mandated role. So yeah, did I miss anything? Okay, yeah. The, the only thing I'd like to add to that is that the tech, the tech officer will have a vote on council. So yes. you're not just you're not just you're not just here doing it for no reason. You're, I mean, people do listen to the streaming. People do listen to the like uh, the podcast afterwards, and you will have a vote on council. So you will. Can I just say that even though I am at the moment this close to being terribly suicidal, it is really fun. <laughs> it is really fun. Um, yeah, it's and it's not. It's really not that hard. The hardest part probably would be showing up to the debates every week. But um, if you're going to be doing that anyway, or if you're going to be here for most, it's you know it's fine for you to arrange around the country one week. But. Um, being able to you know put the podcast up every week and creating a lasting record of what happens is a, is a deeply fulfilling experience. So I would I would recommend it. So, so um, to both. Yeah, we'll Should it be second? Yeah. Somebody second. Yeah, so somebody second. Uh, cool question. Sorry. Question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lee. Oh, two seconds. Oh, Excuse me. Questions for it. Anyone? Yes, Johnny. Just on a point of order. Um, I see. Please genuinely correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to recall it was standard practice to only create and vote on constitutional amendments at the AGM. Not no, there is a thing where if it's, if it's put to the council first, the council can okay. pass it and then. As, thanks for the AGM, can okay. we brought up on the evening? Then? That's fine. Just, yeah. uh, of course. No, go ahead. Oh, no, just saying, just saying, like, I mean, this is, I just feel like somebody should ask if the rule, if the position is appointed and not elected, just what is the rationale behind them having a book on council then? Because they're doing a lot of work and it would be nice to have some sort of reward. I've been doing this just because for two years. I'm a weird guy, so that's fine for me. But I need someone to take over for me, so I need some sort of incentive. Um, and it's not entirely unreasonable. I do a fair bit of work, so um, I think it's I think it's reasonable, honestly. Yes, um, Just a quick question. Is it 
council that appoints it, like makes the decision, or it's, is it just the incumbent? Like, uh, the technology officer shall be appointed by the council. The appointee must be approved by the outgoing technology officer and at least two thirds of the remaining council members. Yes. So, super majorities. For the and then, yes. Um, it's sort of related to that, please. Yes, sorry. Um, it's sort of related to Finley's question. I definitely agree that the tech officer needs a vote on council. I think that's very important because it's mm. work. But my one thing is, everyone else on council who has a vote has had some sort of input from the house. <laughs> so would there be any way to include in the amendment that the house would be able to say, yes, we agree with the council's decision, even if it was just a hands-up thing, not to have them vote on it, like it would still be the council appointing it, but just so that the house would get some sort of yes, because that's what everyone else in council has. That seems reasonable, but um, in fairness, the other seven members of the council are elected, so you know, they the voice of the people, I suppose, you know, they would be yeah. making the decision. Um, also, not going to lie, uh, time is running out, I need someone to replace me, I need to start searching now, so I really like to get this passed. So I, I agree, so would, anybody, would anybody like to um, second Sophie's proposed amendment to it, that once um, the tech officer was ratified by the council, that the house would have a sort of majority say? I'll second, second that. Second that, and yes? Just the choice between that and wrong, like a way of a nomination, I guess, but nobody's going to vote for wrong. <laughs> well, Ron's always an option, <laughs> as seen by the SE elections to do. The problem is that then, if there's more than one person who wants to be appointed, you then appoint the one person, but then the house puts them down, so then it becomes an election by proxy, because like, okay, happy this guy, so we move on to number two, so then the house votes on that guy, so then number three. I really don't think having a being elected okay, person is a good idea. I mean, it's just me saying. Okay. So yes, can I just say, I think you're actually massively understating the difficulties of elite technology officer, like a treasurer requires special skills, and a really? specialist skills, like in most instances, they're probably only one person, probably easier than just to wait for them at the end of the year and might be wrong. True, but speaking from experience, I was a technology officer at the previous institution, and the guy who took over for me was grossly incompetent. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I Okay, so your your proposed amendment would be that they're just elected along at the edge and along with everyone else. Okay, um, but I'm going to second that proposed amendment to being elected rather than appointed. Fair for us, we'll see incompetent as well. No. Okay. Um, yes. Okay, so shall I move to a vote with the proposal? Yes, Jolly. Sorry, well, I just... These amendments do take a while, so... I just want to... In the interest of formalising it to people... In the interest of formalising it to so people to have a say, can I propose an amendment which would remove the tech officer from the council? Just because I'm not satisfied personally with that. Yes, okay. Can I, can I ask Johnny a question? Why would anybody do it then? Why? Did they have no power in society? Why did you do it? Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Okay. <laughs> also, so, I was doing it as part of Queen's Radio, but I was doing it for the radio. That's it, okay, that's a perfect valid amendment. Um, would anybody like to second that amendment to the proposed amendment of the Constitution that the tech officer wouldn't have a vote on council if they were, if they were appointed? Because I can see the value of having it is of having the position of having it be appointed is just that one aspect. So I would like the chance to vote on it. Okay. As but if so if they were elected, do the votes fine? Just to clarify? 
if they're if they elected, elected the Labour Council is uh, fine? No, I, I, I think probably they should be appointed because it's a technical okay. position. Okay. If they were no, if they were elected, I suppose yes, the Labour Council would be fine. But that's from to amendment into one. Yes, sure. We'll can I can I just do I stand up? Yes. Can I just make a point about the um, the fact that even in the vibrant democratic societies, there are positions that are appointed by executives, and the executives have been democratically elected, but the positions that are appointed, I'm not sure if it's the case, but I think vice president in the US is also not chosen by the public. This is this is standard procedure in a democracy that you don't get a say or a vote about everything. This is not a dem direct democracy. We're simply trying to there. make things move. Okay. So. okay. Yes, sorry. May I respond to you first? But we on council have had problems with that before, though, where we have made executive decisions and there have been people who have said, no, no, this is a democratic society and we shouldn't do that. And that's the only reason I'm saying give the House a vote because as previous council members, something that we have had people tell us to do it before, but that's just me as a previous council member, not, maybe that's not how the society currently sits. Just, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, so, I would just say, yes, so I would just, just say in reputation to that, if Chase <laughs> the House voted on such an amendment to the Constitution, yeah. it could not their later be struck down as being. Yes, I agree with that. Yes. Okay. Yes, you're I didn't, you, you asked. You asked for seconds for Johnny's amendment twice and no hands went up. So can I ask that we move to a vote on the amendment and Sophie's amendment? Okay, so moving to a vote that the tech officer will be appointed. First of all, first of all, pass the constitution, first pass this amendment, yes, and then ask if we want right. Sophie's okay. So, uh, can we have a vote on those that agree with the creation of the tech officer, the tech officer as an official council rule? Uh, all those in favour say aye. Uh, aye. Aye. Uh, well, those against say nay. Yay. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I heard you now. Okay. Um, and then the amendment to the. So that's passed, so. Hooray! Yeah. Um, okay, so the, amend the amendment to what has been put in the Constitution is that they will be elected by council, is that what No. House can overrule. Okay. So the vote is on the tech officer will be appointed by council, but the house will have the sort of final. They have to be approved by the house. <laughs> okay. Okay. They will Sorry. be appointed by council and approved by the house. <laughs> okay. uh, all of those in favour say aye. Uh, and all those uh, against say nay. 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 Please tell me. Okay. Okay. Sorry. We'll go. Okay. All those here say aye. Aye. Fourteen. Okay. So, yeah. Right. So there will be. Um, just, I'm so sorry. On a point of order. Yes. When it's when it's this close, do we can I can we confirm everyone in the room is actually a member of the house? Oh yeah. yeah when it is not close. Uh, that's It'll be quicker. Okay. All of those who would like to vote and can vote in the election, please take out your letter of agreement cards. 
my objection to it would be that could be construed in a court as criminal intent. So. <laughs> I would advise the most according. <laughs> That's a fair point. Would you like to retract your... No? I'd like to retract. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Any other... Me- or... What is the word? Private, oh. private, private members business. That's not the word. But yes, it's okay. I'll go private. I, I know I've already spoken a lot, so I'll keep it. But this is much more exciting. Um, I would like to propose a motion that we are all very excited about the ripples and gravitational waves. <gasps> <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't hear that. Black holes was nice. It's very exciting. Okay. Hey, so black holes. Einstein's theory is being perfect. Okay. But didn't even like comment on the fact that black holes. Or sorry, gravitational waves in black holes. There's not really a comment, it's just there's a lot of theory and a lot of research being going on since September. Good. And our lecturer who's been part of that has told us before that the, the conference started that it pretty much was true that they had discovered gravitational waves. Okay. So it's pretty interesting to find out before the rest of the world. Good. Sure. That's a comment, isn't it? Yes, that's a comment. Maybe you're like to clarify for the house soon. Sure. Yes, Johnny. Could I ask Miss Strapful a clarification question? Yes. Um, could I ask if you, by the word excited, that is value neutral? Because I'm quite terrified about it. <laughs> the of black holes exist. But that is a form of excitation. So. I am also terrified, but I've also spent the week learning how to build computers. So, in a, in a room by myself watching videos. So, anything to do, <laughs> nothing to do with that is very exciting. <laughs> I like the inflection in that. It was I spent week learning to build a computer in my room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Any comments on black holes? Could I propose an amendment? If you stand up. <laughs> um, I'd like to I'd like to change the wording. <laughs> <laughs> very excited to very concerned. <laughs> so I like a second Harry's amendment. Can I get one of information? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> black holes aren't anything to be scared of unless you are incredibly close to them. No gravitational force at all on you. If the sun's a black hole, we wouldn't fall into the center of it. They don't eat everything around them. That's, That's not true. what they are. So. I just want to point on that. They, if they are dangerous to the things that are right next to them, that will make them just to more things. I'm less close to having you neutered. Black holes evaporate over time with blocking radiation, so it gets smaller. <laughs> Amendment to Sophie's proposed. No. Second. Concerned. Anyone against the fact that we're concerned? I think it was James. Is there a majority that's against that? Concerned is both positive. Yeah. We're gonna move on after this one. Okay. You can stand up and offer a point on Harry's proposed amendment, which is this house would be concerned with the fact that they find gravitational fields. Alright, so being concerned or excited or happy or whatever doesn't change the fact that it exists or doesn't exist. Yeah. Like, True, but it changes the reference in our minutes. <laughs> 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 oh, 
that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, so... Probably black holes are more so controversial than a Is your proposed amendment that the letter effect shouldn't care yeah. about finding gravitational... No, 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 I, 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 I stick with excited. Excited. It's a bad it's right. Okay, we're going to vote. We're going to vote on this house is excited that um, we find gravitation phase of black holes because it wasn't majority. So, could everyone who agrees with that please raise your hand and say aye. 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 That is unbelievable. Twenty-one. <laughs> and all those against say nay. She's four. I don't even know what this is. And all the standing. Six. Yeah, sorry. Okay, thank you. We'll move on from private business then. Does anybody have like an Apple Lightning cable for iPhone 5s that works by the bar? The fuck is a Lightning cable? Does anybody have a charger? Hey, does anybody have an Apple Lightning cable so that you can charge yeah. for the... The cable for 5th gen iPhones are above. Joseph, can yeah. you? Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Moving on, Bryce's questions. Anybody got any? Please say it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Why are we going to start with the baby? Right. <laughs> okay, yes. I move that we just start with the baby, not... Here yes. Go. If you didn't have any questions, we would. Yes. Checked on the Okay. Uh, as you can see, we have extra speakers on either side today, so we're going to have five minute speeches, which we'll all be glad to hear. Um, so, same words as always, five, well, five minute speeches, first and last minute are protected, which you will hear by me ringing this bell whenever I can figure out how to work it. Um, and if you have a point of information, please be quiet. <laughs> if you have a point of information in the middle of three minutes, please stand up and say on that point, sir, on the point, ma'am. And if they say no, it's up to the speaker whether they accept or reject the point. Um, Hmm. No barking, don't ask questions um, in succession, uh, or too quickly in succession. And that's about it. We'll have questions and answers at the end. So um, I would like to welcome the first speaker for the proposition to open the debate on this house with have the right to bear arms in the UK, which is Mr. Harry Adair. Good evening, friends and literatures. First, I'm really happy to see those people turned out tonight. It's really good to see you've got some energy going, even if it's towards gravitational waves. Um, okay, so what I aim to do, and hopefully the rest of the proposition will follow up on, is to present a credible moral and practical case for the liberalisation of gun laws in the UK. Um, to this end, uh, I will go into two points mainly. That is, first, building a building the case that people have an inalienable right to self-defense. And then, moving from there, towards a practical, credible proposal for how we would work that out. Uh, how, what a right to bear arms in the UK would really actually function. So, let's get stuck in. Um, yes, a man's right to own a gun, uh, most notably in the United States, but in, others, in other countries, is based fundamentally on the human right to self-defense and the ability to fend off those that would, that would violate their personal security and their family security. So, where would we use the justification for such a right? Well, it's laid out clearly in both EU and British law in that 
then it, it is out there to promote the right to both family and uh, freedom from fear, life and personal security. And that's mirrored in the United States uh, Declaration of Human Rights, Article 3 specifically, which quote, everyone has a right to life, liberty and the security of person. So we have, we can, it, it can be reasonably expected with most people that a person has a right to life. Um, so we can extrapolate that further. At that point, come on. Yeah. So if, uh, if the person has a right to life, why are you going to give them guns which can potentially end it? Well, I'm going to go straight into why that is crucial, the crux of what I'm going to get at. Um, specifically, uh, if a man has a right to his life, and if we've accepted that, then they should have the practical capability to actually defend it, and actually... Um, no, no, I don't. I don't develop this fully. Um, against those who violate his rights. So this is the 10-second outline, or when someone is in dire need to protect their vitals. Um, but with that right and with that obligation to ensure their own personal security, there is an obligation that they are properly trained and properly equipped and ready for if such a situation is required. Um, so then that logically follows that you cannot drive a wedge between the moral impossibility of life and the physical means by which that is enacted, as in the ability to own a personal firearm and hold off a, a wood theoretical attacker. Well, so, no, I, I need to finish this. Um, and if a man chooses to argue for right and then denial denies the capability to enact it, they have unfairly um, represent an explicit dichotomy between their personal values and the facts and the reality of the situation. So now that we have developed a framework for understanding why it is an obligation for a state to respect its rights, as my colleague Stefan will develop fully, um, how would such um, how would such an amendment look, or how would such a right in the UK look? Well, first of all, it is, as the motion states, a right. It is an able one. So, but to that end, a right comes with obligations. You have a right to participate in the democratic process, provided that you put your name and details forward and fulfill the requirements. So, um, one of those requirements, as we see time and time again with firearms, is the need for properly trained and properly maintained. So we're talking uh, restrictions on trade. I mean, the argument that uh, certain types of weapons can't be restricted is not true, considering the only the priority for what the moral justification is is self-defence. So a proportional response would then be. A, a far, not some kind of WMD or explosives, I'm sure the opposition would like to remind us all. But to summarise, we need a proper understanding of the rights and a realistic application of them to properly institute the principles by which our governments are theoretically bound by. The observation of different types of weapons and the understanding of what actually happens on the ground, as the rest of my team will fully go into, sorry for holding you, is 
makes gun rights a legitimate cause in a free society. Thank you very much. This is important. So I really don't understand why anyone would want, would 
think that adopting any legislation from the United States in regards to any of this would be a good idea. The, sorry, the, the proposition have to convince us as well that what they believe to be their individual right to have a gun somehow trumps the lives of possibly thousands of people <coughs> in this point. Sorry, I have to get through um, They have to convince us that this libertarian ideology, the right to bear arms, despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary, is, isn't self-defeating and plain stupid. In the United States, you are much more likely to use a gun on yourself or a family member than you are on a bad guy. A cop is much more likely to use a gun on you precisely because he's been trained to assume you have one than you are to use it on a bad guy. And because, and it might be going off on a bit of a tangent here, but because there is statistically more guns in America than there is people, I can't really fault this approach by the police, in all honesty. And this is uh, an example of how the lack of gun control underpins so much of America's problems. The proposition also have to convince us that there is some sort of appetite for or jealousy towards America's Second Amendment right. The fact that there is a significant voice in the US calling for gun control on and on this side of the Atlantic, not a bumper in favour of extending the right to bear arms says it all, really. We're happy with the, the, the statistics we see before us. Uh, thank you very much. And finally, sorry. <laughs> and finally, even if they do manage to convince you of all of this, they have to persuade you that all things considered, uh, to still take the chance of extending the right to bear arms in the UK, and I, for one, uh, am not going to take that risk. So For example, you have the right to drive your car. If you if you were to get into your car without a seatbelt on, that's a lot more dangerous than having a gun in your house. Even if you're to walk home tonight, after, you have a right to drink tonight after the bed. If you're if you feel drinks and then you walk home tonight, you know that's dangerous. On the issue of suicide, um, you, you ignore the fact that uh, by removing guns, it doesn't actually. It, it all that happens is is that. It just leads to an increase in other methods. For example, in the UK, it leads to an increase in hanging and fumigation in South Korea. Um, you also assume that we're just going to be handing out guns, like you, you could just go into a shop and buy them easily. No, this, this would only be to responsible individuals who have been gone through proper background checks that will be discussed with one of the later speakers. The, the opposition's debate is based on emotion, not a rational argument, which will now be uh, discussed. Also, Stefan pointed out to me, it's nearly impossible. It's nearly impossible to actually accidentally shoot yourself with a modern gun. Like the last, the way that the people actually explain it. Well, yeah. uh, so, sorry, I didn't need to come on with this. I will explain the house why individuals should have the right to bear arms in the United Kingdom. The argument I would make is that individuals should be entitled to exercise a right to bear arms for the purpose of self-defence and deterrence against crime and specifically violent crime. The primary reason individual self-defence using weapons is not strongly emphasised in the context of European society is due to historical reasons. Modern Europe emerged from the feudal system in which security was controlled by the land mobility that would protect serfs in exchange for manual labour. 
This is in stark contrast to revolutionary America, which depended upon citizen militias for defense at both an individual level and external level. The reason I have to say to start my argument at this point is to illustrate that restrictions on the right to bear arms in Europe is not to protect individuals from each other, but is based on tradition in which weapons are concentrated in the hands of the ruling classes and to limit their ownership amongst the population. I've decided to explain to the House that the benefit of guns for protection against crime is due to the rational nature in which crimes are committed. For example, James Holmes, the Aurora shooter, chose the, site the Century 16 Theatre to commit a mass shooting, not because it was the closest cinema or the largest cinema, but because it was the only... If, sorry, go on. Um, he, was also, he was also a big viewer uh, of Fox News and Onward's case. Um, he was, just because he this voluntarily is, chose... Is that relevant? No, it is because he voluntarily chose a... a it's, right, please, please. Not, it's, not, it's not, it's not relevant. It's speculation. There could be something to it, but it's speculation. Um, but when mass shootings themselves are not rational, it shows that the way in which they're calculated is rational. For example, just a few days ago, a terror suspect, Kahal Abu Rayyan, was arrested for attempting to commit a mass shooting in a Detroit church and said on social media, quote, a lot of people go there, lots of people are not allowed to carry guns in church. While this is only one particular type of violent crime, the examples clearly illustrate that criminals prefer soft targets where there is less resistance. Now we must no, thank you. Now we must consider the reverse scenario in which the potential victim is armed. Because of their capacity to defend themselves, potential crimes against them become less rational. In a study of 1,874 prisoners, professors James Wright and Peter Rossi found 81% of smart criminals were tried to determine if a potential victim is armed. 74% indicated burglars would avoid occupied houses for fear of being shot. 57% said most criminals feared armed citizens more than police, and 40% said no, thank you. 40% said they were deterred from committing a crime because they believed the potential victim was armed. From the study, Wright and Rossi concluded that armed citizens have a beneficial effect in reducing criminal behaviour. In a separate study, Dr. Gehiglecht from Florida State University found that gun use was the most effective and safest way of resisting a robbery or assault, in fact even safer than surrendering or running away. What distinguishes guns as a tool of self-defence is that it tells the balance of power in favour of the possessor, regardless of physical strength. A quote from the American Frontier summarises this as God created men, Samuel Colt made them equal. Therefore, this means that people who are particularly vulnerable to violent crimes due to a lack of physical strength or a societal perception of weakness would disproportionately benefit from the right to bear arms. In Northern Ireland, elderly people would be among the primary demographic that this would benefit from, sorry, that would benefit from the right to bear arms due to the vulnerability of elderly people to violent home invasions. A Belfast Telegraph article from October states the number of people the number of domestic burglary victims aged 60 or over has risen by more than a third in 2015. According to the latest PSNI statistics, from April to the start of September, there were 606 reported offences compared to 445 over the same six-month period in 2014, a rise of 36%. Because guns utilised the balance of power in a conflict scenario, it would mean elderly people could effectively defend their homes and themselves without being entirely dependent upon a police response, which in some cases may not be possible before it's too late. It is also worth mentioning that guns would greatly empower it is also worth mentioning that women would be greatly empowered from the right to bear arms. It is a disgrace that women are can I just finish off? Very quickly. Okay. It is a disgrace that women are unable to avail of the same freedom of movement as men due to fear of criminal actions against them. An example of this is in nineteen eighty six the city of Orlando offered firearm training classes for women in response to a wave of sexual assaults. Within one year the number of sexual assaults drastically decreased, most notably rapes dropped by ninety percent. Evidence also shows that when a woman was armed, only three percent of rapes were completed. Furthermore, the probability of 
serious injury from violence is 2.5 times greater. Uh, I can't finish it, okay. <laughs> opportunity to lend me your ears tonight. Um, we live in a society where we thankfully don't have to assume that our neighbor is carrying a semi-automatic or anti-tank weapon <laughs> and could potentially end our lives on the basis of a, of a crazed shooting spree of for simple self-defense. This is because we've learned lessons. Uh, we've learned lessons from the tragic Congoford massacre and we've learned lessons from the Dunblane school shootings and most of all we've learned from that great chunk of land across the pond known only as America. <laughs> you see, in 1987, 1996, and 2010, the dates of the Hungerford, Dunblane, and Cumbria massacres, respectively, when the government decided it would enact even stricter controls on gun ammunition, we said resoundingly, sure, that seems, it seems like a good deal, but in America, the land of the free, where school and other public shootings seem to be more than a frequent occurrence, people still believe that these events pale in comparison to their need to and I say this in, quote, protect themselves and their families. <laughs> I asked tonight, would they need to protect themselves and their families if guns weren't so readily available to the public? On that point, yeah. well, I mean, we saw most notably with the Paris tax that these weapons are still floating around in the illegal market. To this end, would it not be, on, would it not be a contradiction to claim that to get I know what you're saying, yeah, but you, these people were in a car, so you think these people had the, the guns in their boats already to, like, if they had, if there was, if there was guns were leaving, you think the people had guns in their boats already to just defend against terrorists and that? No, they would not, they would have had, had to leave their guns outside, and they would have, they would have had the same, the same consequence. So, um, you know, this isn't about America, obviously, because we may draw some parallels, and, and we've, we've talked about crazy maniacs being able to go into Tesco and Newton Brady or Aston Larn or whatever you like to purchase instruments of mentality. But I mean, obviously, the club card points must be phenomenal, but like, imagine, imagine the mayhem and a parallel society that would be sanctioned by such a wanton move. Because rights are a funny thing. We have fought for many justifiable ones in the course of our nation's history. But when we are fighting for the right to bear arms, don't be, don't be mistaken by the pretense of self-defense or the ability to protect ourselves. We don't know what we are capable of. I mean, I can feel really no, no, no. I can feel really happy one day and walk into a store and get a shiny new assault rifle or pistol and feel that I'm now protected from my neighbors, co-workers, or the Conservative Party or any other threats in the country. But that security won't last. Because we have our days when we don't feel so good, like, like the days when we feel that the world is a terrible place, like nothing in our lives is going right. And on those days that we are most dangerous, I mean, not all of us are going to take a, out a gun every day and shoot ourselves or, or, or somebody else, but you never know because life is pretty grim. All right, now. And how about that guy that keeps calling your significant others late at night? I mean, what if he does something that really pisses you off one day? In your irrational moment, are you going to think about self-defense? So, I mean, you look, let me give you a scenario. Sure, if a Michael Jackson tribute artist moonwalked through your child's bedroom window one night. 
kids from that smooth criminal. <laughs> you would want to pull your rifle out off the shelf and, and make this predator beat it. But when, but when you enter the room, you see that he's pointing the gun at you as well. And you instantly regret your stance on gun law since you remember he was behind the queue, behind you in the queue at Tesco to get his gun as well. I mean, fake MJ could have gone in the black market and sourced a gun, but no, no thug sure as hell would sell it to a guy who came and grabbing his crotch and uttering high pitched squeals at the end of every sentence. <laughs> the major point to note is that many people wouldn't even be able to afford one if they were illegal and thus in limited supply. There was um, an appeal to feminism, get, feminism given there by, by these pro-gun activists that insinuated rapes perpetrated in gun-free zones in the U.S. are the fault of the law for prohibiting the woman to be armed at all times. But as a true feminist, I say that's all rubbish. How about creating a society where women don't need to worry about where women don't need to worry about rapists striking out of nowhere? self-defense. But so could the guy who wanted to rape her. So who do you think is going to be more prepared in that stance? If you love guns to quell your paranoia or to make up for an anatomical defect, then I believe that's about the only reason you've gotten this gun debate. If you wanted to protect yourself, you would have to have it ready 24-7, always ready for that moment of attack. Unless the UK was a call of duty map, you're not gonna have that privilege. But then I hear you say in your relentless paranoia that the government and military can turn against us so we need to fight back. But our AR-15s and AK-47s are no match for Apache helicopters, tanks, and fighter jets. Your best bet is probably just voting Lib Dem next time. So don't be fooled. You are as safe as you think you are. And you do not need guns. And if you need one, the police can give you a license, in which case you've probably been a bit bad yourself. So oppose this vexatious argument, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Third speaker for the proposition, could you please just keep it down while people are speaking and just be respectful? Thank you. Yeah. Um, thanks very much for nice to speak. Um, so, yeah, now I welcome the third speaker for the proposition, Mr. Stefan Ivanisky. Ladies and gentlemen, the opposition here are sending a light of firearms being an infernal tree, which once awoken will slay your first born. They are calling for a complete ban of anything they saw in GTA or Call of Duty. They might as well ban alcohol and contraception, or consumption of meat, because I assure you that those bans would be much easier to exercise. Firearms never do take away the threat of violence or death. A ban on handguns will not prevent you from getting stabbed. Nor will prohibition stop you from consuming alcohol. Opposition are pl is playing on your fears while Owen spoke facts. Northern Ireland is one of the countries where it's easiest to obtain an illegal firearm. And also, buying, you can, anyone in this room, upon showing their driving license, can buy a legal 50 caliber revolver. Or you can even convert a nail gun or make your own gun from scratch. To make a taser, all you need is to break open a camera. To make a Gauss gun, you will just need a few more cameras. Sir. Of course, come. Is there a reason we're safe from these all MacGyver contraptions, the fact that the trust of fellow citizens not being murderous? 
Didn't you know that for John's directly on the table? I think you're, you should be sitting, sitting here on our side of the table. Because some basic plumbing will allow anyone to make a handle or a cannon. And now, 3D printing allows you to make whatever gun you like overnight. As my uh, colleagues outlined, the right to bear arms will only afflict responsible, God-fearing and law-abiding citizens who will have access to weapons for whatever function they choose. In the extreme boredom of the run to the maths exam, I looked at the issue of the EU firearms license. That means that an adult is able to legally buy, own and shoot a pre-1870 firearm. And I became mortified. Those are the weapons with which the carnage of the American Civil War happened. Those weapons decimated a generation of French and Germans at Sedan, Metz and the Rhine. And any person here can go and buy these tomorrow. A 50 caliber unjacketed revolver or a repeating rifle could be bought with your student loan and any single terrorist or disgruntled student could use them to wipe out everyone in this room right now with legally bought guns in a matter of seconds. But then if you're saying that then, then you're probably insinuating that we should have tighter gun controls to get rid of that which is what I agree Of course I will move on. Those are, those are an EU-wide thing. Any, any country in the EU which has the most taxable gun controls applies to here. But any crib, no massacres have happened in Europe despite those deadly weapons being available. Those weapons are being sold and bought in the tens of thousands right now on that and they are only being legally used, please. Can you explain the massacre that happened in Norway? Then, <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, yes. That was a that was a hunting rifle. That was not one of the 1870 firearm. It, it, it was not an old. On that point. And how come could I ask for a minute extension? No, we'll stick with five minutes each this week. Just. How come if those guns are deadly and readily available, we are not getting shot? Could be that the media are and the opposition are proving the facts to sow fear in our hearts. If guns throughout Europe are being used safely, why is it that our right of self-determination and self-defense is being denied? As my colleagues have said, the denial of God-given rights is the first characteristic of a totalitarian state. Before the, total, the rise of totalitarianism in Europe, the only weapon that was regulated was a breakdown carbine for fear of poaching. The opposition are using extreme cases while forgetting that over a million, a million crimes were prevented in America alone last year because of the threat of the use of a weapon by the victim. I beseech everyone in this room, especially the voting members, to not be the deaf led by the blind. To open your hearts and minds to the idea that you can be your own master. Your life could be in your own hands and you should not depend on your political and business overlords to decide whether you should only be able to receive help in 15 minutes or half an hour at the threat of violence. Politicians have special branch, 
millionaires and bodyguards with full automatic weapons. And here in the opposition, we have a strong, and here the opposition to the motion has a strong interest in keeping you in fear and defenseless. Let us remember that our freedoms were won through revolution, we're using mostly personal arms. So I ask you to vote for yourself and for the proposition. Thank you. Um, just one quick point for you before we go on. Um, you seem to be intimidating at the start that we already have al alcohol is probably going to kill us, so you know, why not just bring a deadly weapon into it? You know, we already have some guns, so let's just import them all from our market. It doesn't really hold up, I believe. Um, I am here, and we're here tonight to discuss a phenomenon which kills 90 people a day in America. We're here to discuss a phenomenon which kills 33,000 a year. It has killed children in uh, primary schools, it's killed people watching movies in cinemas, it has ruined lives and torn apart a political system. Um, and now we're arguing that it shouldn't be imported into the UK, because it doesn't sound great. Um, the proposition is going to throw a lot of political heavy terms. Um, they're going to talk about libertarianism, they're going to talk about Frank George Washington, they're going to talk about George Bush. Um, and to give them due credit, some of them will make sense. Um, but after the glossy terms have sort of vanished from your mind, um, I ask that you reflect. On that point, sir. Yeah, go for it. We haven't mentioned of any ideologies. We are completely neutral. He says we're talking about feminism, he says we're talking about libertarianism, we're just talking common sense and facts. Well, can you totally refute that? Because you were talking about the rights of women to equal men, that sounds like feminism to me. And this gentleman was talking about being free, that just sounds like libertarianism to me, just because you don't use the actual word doesn't mean you're not you know, referring to it. <laughs> so the first responsibility of any government, just to move on, is to protect its citizens. And gun control saves lives. That's the most important thing you have to take away from this debate. The fact that the UK does not have the right to bear arms right now is saving lives. Um, we can't really honestly say that um, more homicides occur in America because more Americans are homicidal. It doesn't make sense. There are reasons why you see such terrible statistics on the news. There's reasons why um, there's repeated, um, that the response to every sort of massacre is so predictable because we see them all the time coming from America. We don't see it coming from coming from America. Right. Yes, go for it. Thank you. Um, with respect to the opposition, I really haven't heard the proposition making an argument that we're trying to import anything. I think it's understandable to say that the UK is a totally different society to that of America. Yeah. Here. Well, I'm saying we're importing not like literally the guns, but we're importing the idea that we should, anybody should be able to own the gun. Um, so I'm talking about another ideology, but I know you don't. So, um, the right to bar arms is an outdated, useless, but more of a dangerous souvenir from a time of revolution. We're not in a revolution anymore, um, and we don't need a well-regulated militia. Um, so I want to address an argument that says that criminals don't obey the law, so why pass any laws um, you know, about gun control? That doesn't make sense to me, because it's like saying that like, um, because criminals have a natural proclivity to burgle some place, that we shouldn't try and stop them from stealing things. It doesn't I don't really understand that. Um, and uh, on that point, yeah. well, with the deepest respect, I don't mm -hmm. think you've particularly been paying attention to what the propositions brought forward. What we've said is we understand the fact the priori that you know these violent crimes exist and um, and that they they, they certainly play a role. I mean, to what 
extent you can regulate that with social factors is unnecessary. But what we said specifically was that the prevalence of them and the prevalence of it escalating to a situation is fundamentally less than if you have a well-regulated state of firearms being in rotation. I mean, the statistic he used was 80% of criminals would not go through it if they knew he was armed. So no, how do you respond to that, fundamentally? Because, because the idea that by giving everyone guns we're going to stop less people shooting, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, like, we don't need a well-regulated militia. And that, you know, that it, you know, people often say well, we have a right to bear arms, but they forget the first part. Um, also, I would just like to pick up on a couple of things I've already said, but the rate of suicide is double in states with less stringent gun control. And in America, a child between the ages of 5 and 14 are 17 times more likely to die by a gun accident. Um, so in conclusion, because I, I have to finish up, um, we encourage the House to reject the idea that um, deadly weapons should be legalised, um, and we further encourage the House to reject the extremist-led debate that is suggesting that less, like less, more guns will lessen the risk that you're going to die by a gun crank. Um, and we're rejecting the violent rhetoric as well. Um, and oh yes, so the only other thing I'll say is that 91% of the American public support background checks. And um, so mm -hmm. Congress rejecting this proposal is actually a Democrat file. Um, so I'm going to leave you with the words of the beloved woman herself, Hillary Clinton, um, who says, I don't know how we keep seeing shooting after shooting, read about the people murdered because they went to Bible study or uh, they went to the movies or they were just doing their job and not finally say we've got to do something about this. That something cannot be to bring this culture to the UK. Thank you Strange culture around around guns. Um, a lot, a vast majority of their people just assume that tyranny is just around the corner. That does not apply to the UK. There is a strange population of the Shanghai Road who assume republicanism is just around the corner. <laughs> but they certainly do not speak for the rest of the 17 million people in the um, And also, the Second Amendment. A lot of the problem of the gun debate in the US seems to stem from the fact that a lot of Americans can't read. And the ones that can, choose not to. <laughs> <laughs> the Second Amendment is explicit in what it says. It says, a well-regulated militia, being necessary for the security of the free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, James Madison and Alexander Hamilton were pretty smart guys, and I'm pretty sure for a well-regulated militia, they did not need three guys in a pickup truck in the car park of the local Walmart. No, thank you, just think <laughs> um, what they meant was, because this, in the context of times before there was a police force or even street lamps, essentially what they meant was the National Guard or the army or even the, the police, which we all have nowadays. Um, also, what was ignored by most speakers, except for Stefan who alluded to it uh, in, some, in some way, is that it is already perfectly legal to buy a gun in the UK. There are, in fact, two million gun licenses currently registered, registered in the country. No, thank you. Um, just we have sensible, 
sensible gun uh, legislation, um, which has worked very well. Because since the um, John Blaine massacre, I can count mass shootings on one hand. I can count mass shootings using guns bought legally on one finger. Um, I brought, thinking about this debate before, I was brought to mind the first debate of this year, which was this house would uh, legalise marijuana. I can't remember, um, if I could just have a quick show of hands, who was there? I was speaking. Oh yeah, look at that. Anyway, um, another quick show of hands, who would support the legalisation of some or any drugs? From marijuana, right up to heroin, whatever. One or another. Pretty surprisingly few. Uh, who supports the prohibition of alcohol? Okay. <laughs> 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 um, is your mind swayed at all by the fact that alcohol, various drugs, lead to, uh, often lead to violence or various health disorders? Nothing. Um, the, but it seems different. The case is different for this debate in particular, for guns. Uh, On that guns, point. Uh, nothing. Um, uh, One yes, word, sir. What? <laughs> yes, sir. Um, just because something doesn't happen less doesn't mean it doesn't happen too much. I don't care if it can be counted on one hand, I wish it didn't have to be counted at all. I'll get to that later. Um, the case here doesn't seem to be about human safety or any personal liberty, which is a ridiculous point. The case seems to boil down to there are some people who just like guns and some people who don't. And those two groups don't like each other very much at all. Um, when it comes to uh, Guns, drugs, and abortion as well. We all know that we can't eradicate these things from our society, but the most we can do is to make them as safe as humanly possible, which the UK has done. Um, since uh, in, in this year alone, which is only two years old, two months old, bear in mind, there have been 5,500 incidents of gun violence in the United States. Whereas if you take the countries of the UK, Germany, Denmark, Switzerland, Australia, Scandinavia and Japan, you will find a population roughly the size of the United States, yet year in, year out, they very seldom exceed triple figures in incidents of gun violence. It is clear that, that current legislation is working. It is not perfect. But the problem with our current legislation guns really comes from the more chaotic nature of the British Constitution. The fact that um, we have an uncodified constitution, which I think is a good idea, but um, legislation on guns is based on four separate acts that take place over, one, over the past 100 years. So uh, the firearms acts of 1963, uh, how, or, uh, how does that relate to, to air guns? or something which quite often can cause fatalities if they're shot close range in the ear or the eye, or um, uh, guns that are used um, in broadcasts by actors. Um, uh, there, there, there should be some, some kind of more, uh, modern sort of update to gun reform, but broadly it is working. Um, <coughs>
So I disagree with this motion, not only because it would increase the availability of guns available in the UK. On that point. No, thank you. But particularly, it would increase the right or the types of firearms that would be available to general citizens and more people would most certainly die, if not in the case of the average homicide, then in the case of severe mass shootings, which make the news all the time in the States. On that point? Sure. <laughs> we keep coming back here. We keep coming back to this emotive argument of the, the instinct of oh, mass right. shootings. Um, what I argue is that with just one exception, every mass shooting in the USA has happened in a gun-free zone. And these allusions to the American yeah, it's a disservice to what we I see what you're saying. A key difference is the prevalence of guns that are available in the, in the United States versus in the UK. Now, I'm not advocating any kind of gun policy for the US. This is a motion about the UK. And in the UK, there are only about 3.9 guns per 100 people compared to 101 in the United States. There is no need for any kind of any kind of um, yeah, that problem which you mentioned does not apply here. But, um, so, I'm going to try and continue as quickly as I can. These kind of firearms would be available in the UK with this kind of legislation. Semi-automatic rifles and semi-automatic pistols that were banned in wake of recent shootings. Why would they become available? Because states, because in some sense, making it a right to bear arms a natural right that inhibits the state from imposing restrictions because the state needs to demonstrate a verifiable and significant risk to take that right away from you, to justify restricting your right, right, rather than what should be the case, which is that you should demonstrate a reason and a capability to have a firearm. I mean, we do it with, we don't have people giving them, we don't give people the right to drive a car, they need to pass a test, they need to, they can't be blind, I have nothing against blind people, but it's the way it is. So I would, like to, I would like to end with a call for pragmatism, a call for sensible policy, and I would like to say that we should never let the importance of someone's freedom to own a gun undermine someone else's right to life. So if anybody would like to ask a question to the proposition, which is this side of the guys, please stand up, state your name for the minutes. Yes. The first speaker's argument was basically the, the issue with gun-free zones is that the, to solve that we'll have lots of good guys with lots of guns. Now the problem with the good guy argument is that uh, even there's statistical research that says even if you're professionally trained with a gun, uh, like policemen, your uh, accuracy rate, even professionally trained, will never go over 50% unless you have someone with the SAS. The fact is, if you're a good guy with a gun, you're less likely to hit the, the shooter. Um, when the police turn up, we have many white males with guns, that happens to be quite a large proportion of America, you instantly make yourself a suspect. So you're actually creating more danger for you and the rest of the people around you than you are if you allow, uh, if it's just the one person with the gun, or if you take guns away from everyone. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, brief response to the proposition, please. Yeah. Um, that's a fair point. Uh, what I was trying to get at, though, was to develop that more in the direction of, it wasn't so much, you know, the classic tired, you know, good guy with gun, bad guy with gun, because that's 
almost a situation that's not going to happen. This is a very simple dichotomy. What we were proposing was the very instinct. The, the, there's no coincidence this keeps happening in gun-free zones. It's because they know there will be no opposition and to begin with. So in the practical reality of it, even though, as you correctly stated, the accuracy will be less than you know, a coordinated SWAT unit, which is used to doing this sort of thing, what happens is there is a general decline in any in situations actually happening. That was the main practical cause of the problem. But yeah, it's a powerful that's fair point. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll skip uh, responses just, just to this week, because it's quite a lot. Okay. Um, does anyone have any questions to the opposition? These four lovely guys here. Well, this, this was going to be a, a, a standing point, but if no one else is going to. Um, I know I, I left in the middle for a couple of minutes, so if somebody did bring this up, please correct me. But there have been a lot, particularly from the opposition, about bringing, importing a right from America and then leaving America in this respect. America got its Second Amendment from the British example, the British tradition, particularly the 1689 Bill of Rights, which actually does create the right to bear arms, albeit only for Protestants. But <laughs> the point I would make is that the UK already does have that right, and it is a English okay. tradition rather than an American innovation. One, one response to the opposition, please. You see, we have changed a lot of things in, from 1689 that America has not changed, and we, we know that. I mean, because we, I come from Trinidad and Tobago, we, we basically copy and pasted everything from the from the English uh, law book, like the Constitution, into our law. We never amended it, and because of that, we have we you know homosexuality is punished by I don't know whatever it is. Um, you know, we we have a lot of we have a lot of civil rights that that we don't that that you all don't enjoy, yeah, that you all enjoy here, because of the fact that you all have amended it and you've done that very well, and you all should be proud of yourselves because of that. And and America hasn't done that, and we should not be using that as an example yes. because we've learned from them. So thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Somebody's responding. If you don't mind. Uh, no responses. Um, in the bar, house bar afterwards. See the red um, do we have any like, sustaining of the motion, sort of general points on the on the debate on the motion? Mm-hmm. Yes. Stand up for Jimmy Carter. I'm wondering what both sides think of the argument that we need an armed proletariat to <laughs> 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 so in case of oppressive government needs to be taken to take <laughs> Thank you. One, one response by the time, please. Please keep it down when speaking. Yes, I would believe that if the people are capable of using force, then the then a government which decides to become oppressive will have that avenue of using force against the people close to itself. It only applies to the US and not the UK. There's no response to saying. Can we have a response from the opposition on that point? Um, again, I think this is this is being touched upon, but um, in, in what? Such a scenario, could you possibly imagine a, a, an armed pro, proletariat, uh, as you described, have a The troubles. They're not armed. Uh, uh, no, he said the troubles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, well, we're not going to know. But, you know, you're not going to fight drones, you're not going to fight a, the, 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 the whatever military uh, the, the British Army have, you're not going to make an imprint, an imprint on. Uh, a British war machine, like so. Why would you <laughs> tell that to the okay, 80s? Thank you. <laughs> 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 
Okay, last round of questions. Can we please? Can we respond to the bar? My bar. See about nine o'clock if we all clean it out. So, um, this side, okay, do we have a question? Final question for the proposition before we continue. Anyone has spoken? Yes. Um, so, it's kind of been variously proven that wearing a cycle helmet makes you more likely to cycle dangerously. Having a knife makes you more likely to commit knife crime. So why is it that having a, gr- a gun makes you less likely to commit a gun crime? Brief response to the proposition, please. Well, first start there, hang on. I own several knives in my kitchen. I've never stabbed anyone. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been sorely tempted on many occasions. Um, but uh, again, what, uh, I, one thing I forgot to mention was um, there are considerable background checks uh, in the UK which they just don't have in the US, if you want to go and buy a gun in your local supermarket or another state supermarket and then take it home with you if you're on holiday, you can. Uh, but in the UK, you have, to go, you have to go through a vigorous process where you prove that you're responsible to uh, own a gun, you know how to handle it, you know um, how to use it, and also that your passage shows that you, uh, you're unlikely to shoot innocent people in the face. Okay, thank you. Um, do we have a question for the opposition this side? You should get enough eight. Oh, <laughs> no, we can well we can go on to the abstention. So any, any sort of general points? We can take two abstaining points on the motion if you like. Yes. Um it's nice to be a lot on sort of human welfare and their protection, but what about sort of animals? Because I know in the US we get the comparison um, guns are allowed like not nature reserve and things like that, so how that would affect the UK in terms of animal welfare. Again, things like Africa, they're taking guns to protect the black rhino, which is why danger becoming extinct. It is extinct. Yeah, it's extinct. Okay, please, thank you. They still exist. Thank <laughs> So, it's just sort of your views on that. Okay, thank you. Brief response from other side. Yes, there should be far more protection for badgers over humans because they're cuddly and nice and humans okay, are bastards. Thank you very much. Finn! I'm at illegitimate. Okay, okay, thank you. Thank you. Brief response from the opposition, please, and then we'll just go to yeah. Yes, I completely agree with that. I mean, if you were to restrict the, the rights of, um, you know, of people to have guns, then, then there's a less likelihood of, of illegitimate hunting going on and, and, and killing innocent animals, which should not, be, should not be the case and causing extinctions and that sort of thing. Because if it was that we just allowed everyone to shoot, shoot whatever creature we wanted to shoot or, or just give them guns to, you know, to carry out whatever operation they wanted to carry out on, on, on whatever animal for whatever purpose they wanted to carry it out for, then it is completely, you know, it's asinated to assume that that these these creatures don't deserve some level of protection as well, and and our constitution should allow for that. So um, I I agree with your point there. That animals also um, also have a right to to life, just as we have a right to life, but not the right to bear arms. So. Thank you very much. Um, and we, yeah, we'll move to vote. <laughs> um, so okay, first vote we're going to have is based on. Um, your personal opinion, so you don't have to have a membership card for this one to vote. So if you do agree with the motion and think that we should have the right to bear arms in the UK, please raise your hand and say aye. Aye. Yeah. 
Sorry, no. hard fighting Spanish. Spanish. Yes. I support yes. the Spanish. Fenba, please. Um, and, um, okay, and, if you, and if you disagree with the motion, I'm like, you should not have the right to bear arms, you can please raise your hand and say aye. I should be better at crying. And all of those abstaining. Meh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got you, Calvin. Seven. Okay, and this one is the binding vote Sun came in for the date and is recorded in our minutes as the sort of winning vote. So get out your shining membership cards, which you should have to hand. And if you think that the proposition spoke better tonight on the motion, please reach your membership card and say aye.